0: Good morning, everybody. The chair here is just in case I need it, uh, mostly just because I'm lazy. that's not really true. Uh, Let's again, let's just uh, open our hearts before the Lord here and then we'll jump into his word. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you. Yes, you are the high king of glory. We can worship you. You allow us to do that. You put that in our hearts. And we are so grateful for that. And as we spend these few moments together here, Lord, as we look into your word, as we, um, again, look at your heart, see what you want to do in us in this upside down sort of life, help us to listen to you. Take what's of yourself, and burn it deeply into our hearts. I pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. I was sort of expecting a stand here, but that's all right. Uh, we'll work. You know what, uh, Pastor Mark was looking, trying to get somebody. Ah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, uh, just for, for somebody to. Uh, to take this, uh, this particular week here. And so on, as a staff, they, they decided, you know what we need to do? We want to get the best speaker that we know of. <laughs> but they couldn't get him. <laughs> so then they said, well, you know what? If we can't do that, at least let's get the best theologian that we know. Uh, but they couldn't get him either. And finally, they finally said, well, at least... Let's get the best looking person we know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) not that either. But we're going to spend some time here together. You know, uh, it's a passage we're going to look at here. It's very familiar to us. And and it draws our attention, especially, hopefully to God, but so often at our heart. I want to start with something here. Many years ago, I was leading a group of uh, kids on a backpack trip. We were in Colorado. And we were climbing Pagosa Peak. Pagosa Peak is a pretty tall uh, peak. It's, it's a little short of 13,000 feet. And we're backpacking up there. And as as we're going along, a couple of things have happened. First of all, we got a little bit late start on the day. I think this was the second or third day into the trip. And uh, as we're going along, it's steep. It's high. It's high altitude. And I realized there was one person especially who was not very fast. And so we're trying to keep everything going and as we're getting closer to the peak, if you know anything about the Colorado mountains, you can guarantee in July, there are probably going to be thunderstorms. And as we're going up, climbing up, I'm trying to get people to move and suddenly the clouds come up and there is this big thunderstorm building close to Pagosa Peak and we're in a place where you can't get off there's no place to go those uh, those lightning storms are incredible, they're scary and I wasn't quite sure what to do we couldn't go back and I I've been thinking a lot even about this passage that we're going to look at and so I did all that I knew to do First of all, to try to get the kids to walk faster. And then to pray. Because that was my resource. We'll come back to that. Prayer can be sometimes uh, a confusing thing to some of us, those of us who pray, even if you don't pray. Sometimes it's just like, what, what is God doing? Why did he give us this? I mean, I mean sometimes we pray out of despair. Sometimes we pray out of confusion. Sometimes we don't pray because we don't trust. Sometimes we ignore what God is doing. Sometimes we just focus on ourselves. I mean, it, it's, it's all wrapped up in that, in how we pray and how we approach God and what we do. I don't know if you find yourself that way. I do. I find myself sometimes becoming lazy because I think I can do it. I sometimes think it's about me when I know that's not true. And yet, I understand and I think you understand that God has given us this avenue, this privilege, this, this joy of prayer. It's, uh, it can be a dangerous thing. Uh, we, we sometimes, we pray somehow in order to convince God to our way of thinking rather than looking to him. Uh, we c- can use it to manipulate others when we're in a group and we pray in some way to manipulate. That happens. But it also is something that draws our heart to God. I'd say it's something dangerous, dangerous in the sense that sometimes we just try to confuse things or we try to bring things around our way. And that, that is a dangerous thing. It's sort of like the guy, I, I saw this story this week and I thought it was humorous. It was a, a co-worker um, um, asked a friend of mine why he got donuts while he's trying to diet. And the man answered, well, I come around the corner where the donut shop is and I told God if he wanted me to buy a donut to open up a pace for me right there in front of the donut shop. And sure enough, eight times around the block, one finally opened up. <laughs> we do that. Unfortunately, maybe not quite as crass as that, but we do that. We kind of try to manipulate God, we try to convince Him. Or it can be dangerous in the way because of the way that God works in our hearts. And that's a wonderful thing. I don't know if you've been watching the Olympics at all. I've watched some things. I like doing the, some of the weird things. And I, I was watching the skeet shooting. Not as exciting as some things, but boy, those guys are, don't pick a fight with them. They are really good. Vincent Hancock is the U.S. guy. He won gold medal uh, in skeet shoot. He hit fifty-nine out of sixty. Uh, that's really good shooting. He's a believer in Christ, and uh, Sports Spectrum uh, gave this as a as a testimony to him. He'd been hitting a rough time, and. Um, he said, this is Vincent's word. The turning point came in 2011, a few years ago, when he seriously decided he, he was thinking about quitting the sport. He'd lost his love for shooting. Uh, he was struggling with World Cup circuit. All those things sound very sad, but then Rebecca, his wife, encouraged him to pray on his own and with her. And within months, he started to see some improvement in his shooting, uh, and uh, he suddenly realized, I attributed this, this is him talking, that God is working through me and opening up my mind and saying, you know what? You have an opportunity to do something great here, and it's not just about winning medals. It's for me, it's for God, to have a platform to introduce uh, people to Christ, to show people that he's, what he's capable of, and to set an example. And Hancock began to realize that ultimately his time in skeet shooting or the Olympics have, can have greater results than personal accolades. Did you get the point? The point started the whole thing with this turmoil. It started with, with praying, just opening himself up before God. We're a place here, and we've been going along here looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and together, you know, Jesus has been talking about uh, the life he desires for us. Not to be caught up in the old ways and the old traditions. But, but really working in our life. The, the, the kingdom of God at work in us. And we come to this place chapter 6, he begins to talk about things, don't be this way, but be this way. And Pastor Mark last week, as he began to talk about the whole situation there with giving, and and very clearly talked about the fact is, it's not the idea of giving nearly so much as what is your heart. Don't be like these others, these hypocrites, but give out of a heart, have the right heart before God. And and Jesus continues this whole pattern there after he's done that. Then he comes to chapter 6, verse 5, we begin. And it's a section that we call the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at it here. And then we're going to spend just a little bit of time. It's a big passage. I know it's a big passage. And, and we're only going to hit some highlights, okay? Pastor Mark spoke on this. He did a series, if you remember, about a year or so ago uh, on, on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to just hit the highlights here. But this is what Jesus says then in Matthew chapter 6, 5 to 15. And he says this. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Familiar passage, isn't it? Many of us have memorized it. Many of us have said it. And prayed it at some time. Sometimes with whole hearts, just sometimes because of the people. What I want to look at is very simply two things here today. One is what prayer is not, because Jesus highlights that, doesn't he? This is what prayer is not, and then secondly, what prayer is according to what Jesus is saying here. Uh, Prayer is not, first of all, He says don't be like the don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those Pharisees who stand on the street corners and and pray loudly and longly with eloquent words. It's not first of all a religious exercise. It's not done to be seen by others. And and we tend to understand that maybe a little bit more here in in America. Because even as we pray and even as we pray together, it's not always a show. Unfortunately, sometimes it becomes that. But in this time, during this culture, remember, Jesus is talking about those Pharisees, those people who, they they made it their business to stand before others and pray loudly and longly so that others could see them and not see God. So he's saying, first of all, prayer is not just a religious exercise. It's not to draw attention to ourselves. and, And we understand that. We don't pray because we want God to like us more. We we don't pray in order to make a deal with God somehow. It is not a religious exercise. And again, coming back to what Jesus is talking about, about the Pharisees praying and on the street corners. Remember, I think it was in in Luke, he talked and gave the example. In fact, he pointed out the Pharisees standing there praying loudly and longly and then to the center, to the side, and said the comparison between the two. It's not a religious exercise. It's not to be seen by men. In fact, Jesus says here, and we could spend a lot of time on it, and we can't this morning, but he said instead, go in secret. Go to your secret room. Probably a storeroom here It has a door. Close it so you can go there, just you and God. And, and what God sees and hears in private, he rewards. I mean, that's the heart. Remember the movie? I don't know if you've seen the movie War Room. Uh, whether you like the movie or not, one thing that is absolutely apparent is the, the dear lady there in her house, was one who trusted the Lord completely and loved him so much and had this little room that she devoted. This was where she prayed and she called it her war room. It was in secret. It was silent. It was between her and God. That's that's what Jesus is talking about here. That we're bringing our hearts before him, not before others. It's not a religious exercise. Secondly... It's not, and I use the word here, a magic incantation. I did not know what else to call it here because he talks about the pagans and what they are like. And he says, don't be like the pagans because the way that they pray with many words and the babblings that they're carrying on. It, it, don't be like that. The, the, this is not some sort of special magic word of power. That's not what it is. In fact, I was thinking here. The example of this might be: Do you remember um, in in First Kings where Elijah the prophet had this great uh, contest, really, with the prophets of Baal? You remember that time, and and uh, they were setting up their altars and they were going to pray pray to their god and the god who answered with fire. He is God. You remember the story, right? And and what happened at first the the prophets of Baal got to go. There were 400 of them. They did everything and they did, and he describes what they did. The many words, the shouting, the dancing, the cutting, uh, all sorts of things. That's the idea, the pagans babbling, carrying on. And it was to no avail. So not like that, It's not just repetition of same words over and over and over. There are groups today, and you are aware, as I am, of today that somehow you just say certain words over and over, that that is some sort of prayer, that is something to do. And that happens all over the world. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen it in person and just words Sometimes it is, the word here actually is, is naming the name of their gods over and over. And that happens. It's not just a listing of the names of God, whoever they worship. The, the name of Jesus is powerful. You know, even as we pray, as we think about that, there is power in the name of Jesus. But it's in the name of Jesus, not in the great repetition of his name over and over. The pagans here, he says, don't be like them. Another movie Anne and I watched, oh, maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. It's the story of Martin Luther. And one of the things they depicted, and this was before he really came to faith. He was, uh, he was a monk. He'd gone to Rome to find out some things. And this was during the time of the indulgences and everything. A lot of a lot of horrible things going on. And so he had asked, he asked one of the, the priests there, what do I do? How do I gain the favor of God? And uh, the priest said this, it was to go up this whole long flight of stairs on his knees. And at each step, to give this whole incantation lots of names of God and just repetition each time over and over and over. And even as I watched the movie, I thought, this is so, so sad. And at the end of it, Martin Luther came to the conclusion, this is so, so sad, because that's not the heart of God. It was shortly after that Evidently, he really began to search the scriptures and come to the place of understanding who God is, who Jesus is, and the redemption is found in Jesus Christ alone by grace. Prayer is not some sort of magic incantation that we do. It is not repetition over and over and over. It's not the amount of loudness. It's not... Religious exercise. It's not a magic incantation. And I would say this it is not convincing God. It's not convincing God to my way of thinking. There are times I'm afraid I've done it, and I suspect some of you have done it, that we pray in ways that we somehow are trying to convince God, my way is better. Listen to my plans. Listen to what I think is good and go that way, God. That is not what prayer is. It is not bringing things to his attention just in case he forgot. Chapter or verse 8 may be the most significant little phrase in this whole thing. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Benson, in his commentary, in in his own particular style, he said it this way. We do not pray to inform God of our wants. Omniscient as he is, he cannot be informed of anything which he knew not before. And he is always willing to relieve them. The chief thing wanting is a fit disposition on our part to receive his grace and blessing. Consequently, one great office of prayer uh, is to produce such a disposition in us to exercise our dependence on God, to increase our desire of the things we ask for, to make so sensible of our wants that we may never cease wrestling till we have prevailed for the blessing. Very simply in his old English way of speaking, he's saying, look, w- the power and purpose of prayer is that we are learning to be dependent on God because he knows we're falling in line with that. So that's what prayer is not. And it's important to understand that. It's important for me to understand that in my own life, what it is not. As I take time to pray and whatever I do, that it is not this. So the question is, what is it then? what are you talking about here, Jesus? I mean, it raises a good good question. Why should I even pray then? If God already knows what's going on, why should I pray? And I think Jesus answers that to some degree here. Prayer, what prayer is. In in this upside down sort of life that we've been talking about here and what Jesus is talking about here in the uh, Sermon on the Mount not following the old traditions, not the ways of the Pharisees on the street corners, certainly not like the pagans, living as one who is actually living in the power and, and, the, and the grace of Jesus Christ for, for God's glory and our good. This is what he says you should pray. And again, one other thing in Luke, you're going to find the same prayer, a little bit abbreviated, the same thing. But there, the context is the disciples had come to Jesus, they'd seen him praying, and they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus does this. Here in Matthew, that is not the question. This is Jesus as he's giving his sermon, as he's uh, talking about things don't be this way, don't follow the old ways. He just very simply comes to this let this be your heart as you pray. What is prayer? First of all, remember who is uh, the object of your prayer. He says something here. He uses a phrase that is, that is powerful to, to all of us, probably. He starts the prayer. How? Our Father. And today we have heard that phrase so often and we've used that phrase so many times and it is a good phrase. It is a good thing. But you have to understand about when Jesus is talking to the disciples here, when he's talking to the people here in the sermon, they have not heard this phrase very often. Jesus has just been talking before. He's bringing up the whole idea of our Father, who Father is. in In the Old Testament economy, the Old Covenant, that covenant that God made with Israel... wonderful thing, and all his promises, and all was going to happen. But as you look at there, in in terms of how they looked out for God, who he is, they didn't use the term our father very many times. As far as I could find, there are four times in the Old Testament, and each time that phrase is connected to the whole nation of Israel, not on a personal basis, but as a whole nation. You understand that? And then Jesus comes to this, and what this is is really an indication of what the new covenant, God's promise to us, found in in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah uh, 31, he talks about this new covenant, and this new covenant is, is not just wrapped around Israel, it is for all people. It becomes a very personal sort of covenant. And in that, he says, My law will be on their hearts, I will be their God. They will know me. The words and what he says there, it becomes very, very personal. And so when Jesus starts his prayer, our Father, he's talking about that relationship that we have, that we can have with the God of the universe. Not as someone who is way out there, but someone who is deeply personal to us, by his grace, by the blood of Jesus. Knowing who God is, is very, very powerful. And you look at the scriptures, you can see who he is. And and the names of God do mean something. You know, when you read and you see God Almighty, El Shaddai, that means something, doesn't it? It's who God is. Or Jehovah-Jireh, the one, the God who provides. Or Adonai, Lord. And there are many more. You look at those, those names are very, very powerful. And it does de- describe who he is and what he is like to us. But now, now he says, there's something else. He is my father. He is your father, if you know him. That's the power of prayer. What prayer is, is remembering, first of all, who it is you're talking to. You are talking to your father. And with that, as a father, he knows what is best. Some people don't always understand that. Some people have had uh, a hard time with their father growing up. And, and I understand that. I understand there is that pain sometimes. There is that disconnect. And and I was talking to someone oh, uh, maybe three weeks ago. And uh, they were relating to me. That they, the whole idea of God being a father. They said, I, I have a hard time with that. Because of their relationship with their earthly father. And I get that. Our fathers uh, have influenced us, whether we agree or not, whether we see or not. They have influenced even how we think about who God is as our father. Many of us have had great experiences. I, I'm very thankful for my dad. There were many things. He wasn't perfect. There were some things that uh, I do not ever want to be like with him, but there were so many good things that he taught me. And, and I think some of that I relate to God as being father. But But whether you're that way or not, you know, whether you're listening here online or you're sitting here uh, just listening, don't fixate so much on, well, I don't like my father. I don't like what he did. Perhaps, perhaps think about who God is in the fullest sense, whatever you understand being a good father. God is the, the best of all that you can think of of what a father is it all that is good and loving and helpful and kind that's who God is so so if you're struggling with something with your earthly father put that aside and think about that which would be the best father you can think of and that at least partly is who God is our father he knows us. You know, and a little bit later in chapter 7, as Jesus continues here on the sermon, he, he does talk a little bit more about prayer and what he gives, and, and he talks about the goodness of the Father. He doesn't give the child evil gifts, but he gives good gifts. That's, that's who he is. Understand who he is. And, and, and I was wondering, well, what's a good way to work in that that in my heart? How can I focus on Him more and understand the goodness and the greatness of who God is? I would suggest this, that as you read the Bible, and and I, I hope you take time to read the Bible, and as you do that, take time to see who God is. As you read a passage, you suddenly see, oh, that's one of the character qualities of God. Maybe you want to write that down. Maybe as you look at a passage and you see how God has worked, you might want to note that. This is who God is. And as you begin to take time, as you look at that, you begin to build a picture of the greatness and goodness of who God is. And understand that that God is your father. And that God as your father, you can trust. You see, he is our father. And he does know exactly what is best for us. And so you come before him. My friend Dave Clemens writes in his uh, prayer letters sometimes, and sometimes even talking, things are difficult, things they're questioning. And he uses this phrase so many times. But Father knows. Yeah, that's our Father. We pray to him what a great thing. That's remembering who? Remembering what? And we don't have time here to go over the whole prayer. There are six petitions here, most people say. But let me boil it down here real quickly, okay? Uh, As he talks here, our Father who art in heaven, you can tell how I memorize this, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Four things here real quickly, maybe to focus on in remembering what. Um, The prayer is not... Remember, he's speaking here of what it is not. It is not long, great repetitions. It is not necessarily loud. It is not continuing as the Pharisees on the corners or the pagans. He's saying very simply, make it make it this. Number one, pray that God's will will be accomplished. All he's saying is, I'm putting my heart, my mind, my life in. Alignment with what Christ wants. I, I pray, I want really, God, I really want what you want. My, my desires are not my priority. Your heart, your desires, I want that to be my priority. So first of all, just what you pray, that God's will will be accomplished. In me, in the situation. I, God, I'm looking to you. Secondly, praying for God to provide and this is the whole thing of giving us our daily bread. Most people think it goes beyond just the bread. But he's talking about my, uh, what I need. What we need in order to fulfill God's purposes in our lives. I'm praying for God's to provide. Matthew Henry in his commentary, he, he said it this way. We ask for bread that, te- that teaches us sobriety and temperance. And we ask only for bread, not for what we do not need. We ask for our bread that teaches us honesty in and industry. We do not ask for the bread of others, nor the bread of deceit, nor the bread of idleness, but the bread honestly gotten. We ask for our daily bread, which teaches us constantly to depend upon divine providence. We beg of God to give it to us, not sell it to us, not lend it to us, but give us it. I mean, he's just saying, God, we really want you to provide. And rather than me to somehow connive and scheme and come up with all other things, God, just very simply, I'm asking you to provide. That doesn't mean we become idle. That doesn't mean we don't use common sense. But we're saying, God, I'm asking you, I'm trusting you to provide. God's remembering, God's gracious forgiveness has come to forgive us our debts. The word there is our moral fallings. Remember his gracious forgiveness to us. It leads to personal confession of our sin. We recognize that we have fallen short, and and He redeems us. First 1 John one nine, He said, uh, "But He forgives us as we come before Him." It's not holding grudges then on to others. In 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then our response to others, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's that heart, and it's so important. Jesus gives a little bit of commentary even there at the end. But we're praying, God, look at my heart. Help me understand your forgiveness and live in that forgiveness. And the last thing, God's guiding hand and protection. The keep us from temptation is a little bit different, difficult passage. But it, but most people would say, and I would agree, that, that he's saying not that you're not going to get into some sort of temptation. Now, God doesn't tempt us to evil, does he? But he does allow some things in our life that are hard, used to to increase us and to cause us to depend on Him. But but they don't lead us into temptation. The idea here probably is especially don't lead me into something. Don't take me somewhere in something that is so hard that I'm most likely to fail, to fall away. The temptations are things that God uses in our heart and our lives. We know that. But here the prayer is, don't take me so far, God, that I can't, I can't endure. And I think God does that, doesn't he? He goes on to say, and also um, um, uh, to deliver us from the evil one, there he 's talking, I think' it's there especially about the great enemy, about Satan, about not letting him come in and really uh, somehow take over, or to tear us apart, to keep the enemy from bringing um, pain, division and destruction. You know, even with Job, and you remember the story there of what Satan did, and God gave him certain leeway to come and, and uh, test Job in so many ways, but he still didn't have all control. And so I believe part of the prayer here is keep, keep Satan away from us. Remember, greater is he that's in us, that's Jesus, than he who's in the world. Remember that Satan is a defeated enemy, but he is an enemy. This last couple of years, as some of us met together, we feel like there were ways here that we felt like maybe we were experiencing like the the attack of the enemy more than maybe we ever have. And so we prayed often, keep away that. I was talking with Ann about that just the other day, and she said, "Well, makes sense, you know." a church is moving ahead so much, doing so much for the glory of God, Satan's going to come and attack. But we don't have to give in to that. And part of the prayer is, God, protect us. Protect us. Jesus here, he's not talking about uh, the heart of dependence and the need. He talks about that more in chapter 7, about ask, seek, knock. There are other things that we can pray about. Absolutely. There are other parts of prayer that are absolutely important. And and through the scriptures we see those. But here, Jesus is just very simply saying, the point here is your heart before God. Remember who you're praying to. Remember what it is. I'm gonna very simply remember why. Three very simple things here. It's more than just asking for things. It is a worship of God. Our heart before Him saying, God, I know who you are. I want to know who you are. I, I see what you've done. I, I seek you with a whole heart. It, it is a heart of worship. The why would be dependence on God? We've mentioned that. The truth is that as we come before God, we are saying, God, I desperately need to depend on you, not on myself. I'm not sufficient. You are. I trust you and your work. And I grow in humility before God. As I understand, my pride can tear me away from praying to pray the wrong thing to pray for the wrong with the wrong attitude the pride can do that prayer with humility says god i really do want your way i do want you in my life i understand my need for forgiveness i understand my need to not hold grudges i understand that i want you to work in me and i am not the answer Why? Worship of God, dependence on God, to grow in humility before God. That's the heart of prayer, what it is not, what it is. James talks about the prayer of a righteous man uh, is very, very effective. And there he's talking about James, and especially the time when when, uh, Elijah. Elijah came in before King Ahab, and, and he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain. And then three years later, he prayed that it would rain. And it did rain. That's, that's the heart of prayer. But as I was thinking about that, going back to Elijah. Remember I talked about the time with Baal and all the things and going on there. Because it's also there. That as he is in that whole contest, finally after most of the day. The prophets of Baal had been doing all their things. And then Elijah steps up and said, it's, it's my turn. And then a very simple, simple prayer found in First Kings 18, 36 and 37. And at the time of the oblation, that's the evening, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known uh, this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things in your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. A simple prayer. Not loud, not great repetition, just before God. That's the kind of prayer that Jesus is talking about here. That's the heart that He wants to work in us. Understanding, knowing who He is, our Father. Knowing what to ask for. Knowing that we can worship Him and depend on Him and humble ourselves before Him. And let Him work in you for His glory and your good. Climbing Pagosa Peak looking at everything that was going on there. God had been working, and and very simply, I prayed that, God, I I have no idea what to do here. I prayed, our Father, I need your help. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but somehow we need that storm to go around so we can get up over Pagosa Peak. In many ways, praying the heart here. God, I need you. And I would say this to the glory of God. I've never seen this happen before or since in the mountains of Colorado. But that storm came up closer and closer. And then it went around. I have no idea what happened. All I know is I was very thankful. And we got up over. Spent enough time, we we got to spend two minutes on top of Pagosa Peak before we got down the other side. Another storm coming up. My faith was not so much as to pray again. (laughs) We got down a safe place and an incredible storm game. But I learned. I learned. A heart before God crying out to our Father, asking for His will. Humbly depending on Him is absolutely the best way to go. And I'm going to suggest the same thing for you. Take time to invest in praying. Take time to invest in learning about your Father and coming before Him in worship and dependence And humility. That, that is a life turned upside down. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you have given us the avenue of prayer. Thank you that you are so true and real and loving. Thank you that you indeed are our Father that we can cry out to. So teach us again, I pray about what it means to depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now go and serve and love the Lord and pray this week.